You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that I am. I wasn't planning on starting with this today, but I, you know, you got to peruse Twitter, see what's going on. And this came across the old timeline, and then I kind of had a thought about it. Then I had a second thought, and I said, all right, I guess we're starting with this. I've been trying as hard as I can to get away from talking about Rodgers, right? Because it's getting old, even for me. It's like, all right, anything else? We got to talk about something. It's hard to know what to talk about because the most important things are kind of exhausted topics. So, so it's, I don't know. I don't know. But um, saw this, and again, I just kind of had a thought that I wanted, a couple thoughts, I guess, that I wanted to share. Maybe just one. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. But just at the very least, we got to get through the beginning part of this because it's annoying. But it's Pat McAfee talking to Aaron Rodgers about the interceptions he threw. Let's talk about the turnovers because you are the actual NFL king of touchdown to interception ratio. Like in the history of the game, you are the best at it. The amount that you care for the ball because the ball is the program is something that a lot of coaches are trying to teach their quarterbacks to kind of fall in path with, fall in line with. You throw three picks, one off the helmet. Obviously, it's being dissected by all the quarterback experts on the Internet and on TV. I'm really getting tired of that. I'm getting so tired of that. I really have I mean, like I, I I get it to a point, but it just it doesn't lead anywhere good. And on top of that, the quote unquote experts are completely unreliable. First of all, I don't like it because essentially it means nobody's allowed to have an opinion unless you've played quarterback as an in the NFL. Has to be in the NFL. You try going on there saying I played high school quarterback or whatever there you're going to get eviscerated you think you know more than Rodgers I don't care if you've even played in the NFL it just becomes this hierarchical system of which Aaron Rodgers is at the pinnacle where he gets to decide reality for us and if you're not at that level you don't get to talk it's this constant appeal to authority and we just rank everybody based on their knowledge and if you're below me then I then whatever I say is correct and whatever you say is wrong it's stupid and it's incorrect And a big part of the reason I don't like it is because all you get are people who make a living defending garbage play and saying, you have no right to address me because whatever. And so most of these, I've noticed most of the quote unquote gurus, the film guys, most of them are quarterbacks. And what do they do all day long? They defend quarterbacks. That's all they do. They find arguments in which people say, hey, a quarterback isn't playing well. And they say, yes, he is. There's like a dedicated Justin Fields defender who is an NFL quarterback. And Bears fans love the guy because all he does is find people who say Justin Fields wasn't playing well and defends them. And then you got people who defend Aaron Rodgers and you got people who defend... That's all they do. And so, I, first of all, I don't find it to be reliable. Not, not to say you never listen to them because sometimes they'll explain things to you that you didn't know and you can learn a lot from them. But when they get into defense mode, I just kind of tune them out. But again, it becomes this thing where, and then you get guys like Pat McAfee, 
And I understand he's like trying to ease into a question, and so he's got to kind of throw these guys under the bus because he wants to ask Rodgers, but he doesn't want to seem like he's on their side. So he's going to be like, those D-bags over there were talking about it. So anyways, I'm going to ask you this question. But this is a way a lot of people talk about it, and it's obnoxious. You got all these armchair quarterbacks out there who uh, saw you throw in a bunch of interceptions and play like trash, and they're saying you weren't good or whatever, but obviously they're stupid because you're an MVP quarterback, and they're fat, lazy jerks who, you know clean toilets at the movie theater, right? And so now we all just, we're constantly being gaslit, where you watch somebody play bad, everybody saw it with their own two eyes, and it's like, nope, you didn't see that. What are you talking about? You didn't see that. That's not what happened. You didn't see that. I think that the, the, the number one, <laughs> the most, this is when it completely turned for me, was when Kurt Banker convinced the entire world that Christian Watson wasn't open when he didn't have a defender within 20 yards of him. He wasn't open. Okay, but, but he is open. Well, that's a screenshot. I know, it's a screenshot of him with nobody within 20 yards. That is open. No, it's not, because if you, you got to understand physics. Okay, explain fit. Well, you see how fast he's running. If you throw it, it's going to get picked, picked off. Well, no, only if he runs in that direction. If he runs in that direction, no, because he would be ahead of everybody. But even still, he doesn't have to keep running, right? I mean, you could throw it to an open area that is a little short of, of where he's running at that speed and he'll have to slow down and adjust to the ball and he'd be open. Nope, physics, you don't know, football. I played in the NFL and I'm right and you're wrong. It's, it's literally 20 yards. There's no, I've never seen a football player this open in my life. He's not open, so you don't understand football. I've seen guys whose shoelaces are tying to each other. They're so close and it's considered open in the NFL. They're so close, it's like when a, a mom and a newborn baby, you know how they do tummy time? That's what, that's what the wide receiver and DB are doing. They're doing tummy time, and technically he's open because if he reaches his arm out, there's a centimeter of difference there, and he'll be able to catch it. That's open. So I just, I, I, don't, I don't like this. It's stupid. I don't need to consult with an NFL quarterback before deciding that the Packers aren't playing well and the quarterback is a big part of that problem. And I don't need to consult with, you know, Kurt Warner. I'm not throwing him under the bus. It's just a, a veteran guy on TV that I thought of. I have no idea what he's saying. But I don't need to run to Kurt and say, hey, man, I got I, I, it looked to me like Rodgers threw three interceptions, but I don't know because I'm just a stupid idiot. If you could just tell me real quick if he did, in fact, throw three interceptions in the red zone, um, that would be great. If you could help me to make sure that I saw what I freaking saw with my own two eyes, that would be wonderful because that's how this is supposed to work, apparently. I just, I'm tired of the condescension constantly. Football is not as complicated as everybody makes it out to be. I mean, it's one of those things where it can always be more complicated. But at a base level, it's very simple, right? If you want to call plays in the NFL, you have to have a very complex understanding of things. But you can also have watched football for a month and pretty much completely understand it. You, 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 don't, you, you can watch for the first time in your life and say, that was a bad throw. And guess what? You as a fan who's been watching for 30 years don't get to pull out your fan card and say, well, actually, it wasn't a bad throw. I mean, it was, but I pull rank, and that's my guy. And so I'm going to tell you he didn't, and now you just have to shut up. I'm blaming the offensive coordinator because it was a bad play is actually how that works. So you're stupid, and you'll understand eventually, but maybe you won't because I'll always be ahead of you until I die. But anyways, Aaron Rodgers wants to talk about it, and he kind of dances around it a little bit. And again, there's that air of condescension in there, but let's, let's play it through because there is a point that I want to make. And he does take responsibility kind of for two of the interceptions, um, but I, just, I, I want to get through this and just make sure that we understand what happens if the picks aren't his fault. Well, there's a lot that goes into all those things. Um, what I can control, uh, you know, two of them weren't great throws. Uh, you know, there's some other parts to to plays. You know, it's not usually not just on one person. Every now and then it's just on one person. But there's a lot that goes into each, each play. So again, he's kind of taking responsibility for two of three while adding the caveat that it wasn't just his fault. Other people made mistakes too. That's flat out what he said, which I find... Obnoxious, but 
Fair enough, I guess. It's it, And by the way, the whole it's not usually just on one person, it kind of is. It kind of is. If you as an NFL quarterback have the ability to throw the ball to the guy who's wide open and didn't, even if somebody else made a mistake, he was supposed to run at a slightly different angle or he was supposed to be standing there instead of standing here or you know the, the line didn't block right and there was a guy kind of coming at me. There's a lot of factors in every play, but it's also 100% your responsibility to do that. And as a quarter, and th- this is where the leadership thing comes in. This is where that leadership thing comes in. At the end of the day, you take responsibility for it. You don't throw everybody else under the bus and say, yeah, it was kind of my fault, but it's also everybody else's fault too. I mean, come on, man. This is, this is like, this is basic stuff. I mean, coaches and quarterbacks and stuff do this stuff all the time. They throw themselves under the bus, and we'll discuss that kind of stuff in a minute. But again, it's like, just, just say, yeah, I had a couple bad throws. One of them wasn't my fault. That seems fair enough, I guess. That could either avoid some of that thing, or and sometimes you know guys can uh, screw parts of the play up, and you can make a great throw and make up for all of it. Um, but which is what we expect, right? Make a good throw to compensate for guys. There's eleven guys on the field. Eleven guys are not going to play properly. It is so rare that 11 out of 11 win their matchups across the board, run the perfect route, beat the guy off press coverage, what, all that. 11 guys aren't going to win. And if you're expecting the other 10 to succeed, otherwise I don't have to, that's BS. And to be honest, that's kind of part of the issue we're seeing. Rodgers wants elite players around him. He wants everybody to just dominate so that it makes it easier on him. I don't know why you, why are you even saying this? Why do you even have to go down this road? I mean, it's not like you're illuminating something that, that people are like, oh, I never thought about that. I never realized that all these guys working together have some kind of impact on other people. Uh, but yeah, you know, it wasn't a, wasn't a great throw to Dave. Uh, and was Again, I, I, I don't want to nitpick, but to just, again, after saying everybody else is also kind of to blame, to sit back and say, wasn't a great throw to Dave, bro, that was trash. That was, that was the worst thing ever. I just, I don't get it. It's, it, it just, come on, come on. Yeah, the, the, the throw to Dave sucked and it came out of my hand wrong. Um, sometimes these things happen. My bad, you know, something. It wasn't great. Make it sound like it was a little off, like it went off his fingertips. Dude, if, if, if there were four David Bakhtiari's laying down, you would have missed them. Come on. It wasn't a, you know, great throw to Bobby either. I've thrown a lot of those balls low around the goal line like that. Um, I don't know that. You know, in that play, there were some other things that could have probably gone on that could have made it a, you know, a different type of window. But um, so, is that the offensive line's fault? There's other things that could have gone on to make it a different window. In other words, some guy got. I don't understand this. Look, I've made a throw that thrown touchdown passes many times. I don't give a shit what any of these experts on TV. Have <laughs> That's where yeah, I heard you going. That's where I heard. See, and and again, these guys feed into it, and I, you know, I I want to like the Pat McAfee show, but they're they're constantly like feeding this ego for Aaron Rodgers, and they keep pumping him up, and it's like the team's going down the drain, and he comes on this show, and they're just like, "You're the greatest. Everybody around you sucks. Brian Gutekunst sucks. Like we totally know that whatever the Packer fan, that guy annoys the crap out of me." Everybody knows like Gutekunst is trash, bro. And like we know that like you're like the greatest quarterback of all time. But like, how do you feel when like everybody in the world sucks and you're like awesome? Like, what is that like? Like, I don't even know because I'm such an idiot and we all suck, but you're so great, bro. Like, what do we what do you even do? Like, when you go to the bathroom, do you glow? Like, I don't understand like how this happens, bro. Like, you're so great. And it's it's and and they're sitting there listening to him kind of talk about these things. And, and he's, he's just feeding on this. He's feeding on this. 
the way he's answering, like he doesn't want to take responsibility. And then finally, when he just tells everybody to screw you, I've thrown a million throw touchdowns in my life. You don't know anything about me. They're like, yeah, man. Yeah. You tell them you've thrown a billion touchdowns. You can throw as many interceptions as you want. Tell them to stick it. This isn't, this isn't good. This isn't a good thing that's happening. This isn't what you should want. I mean, how, how are you feeling if you're a Packers player right now? Right? The offensive line is to blame for not giving him the proper window. And then it's like, you know, you're, you're sitting here waiting for Rodgers to be like, yeah, dude, I messed up. We easily beat the Lions if Rodgers didn't play like crap. Take away one of those interceptions, we could win the game. He threw three. And he's going to sit here on Pat McAfee's show and halfway take responsibility, but also distribute the rest of the blame to the rest of the team for messing up. And then um, finally, after just saying, I don't want to deal with this question anymore, says, and everybody else can stay. You know what this reminds me of? And, and again, I, I don't want to get political, but it's just, it's not a politics thing. It's just a personality thing. It, it reminds me a little bit of Donald Trump. A little bit. I know some people like that, but just in a way, it just kind of has this like, we're just looking for the big cheer. You know, that's all we want. We're not really actually trying to get you to like say, cool. We just want you to like say the line, man. You know the line. Say that thing you say. So we cheer. So he's kind of talking through the, the thing. And everyone's like, oh yeah, that's great. Looking at their watch. And then he swears and throws the quote unquote experts under the bus and is like, yeah, we got them. We gotta, <laughs> he said the thing. I love when he does that. I love it. I love, it took him a while, but I love it. I'll give you a different example if you don't like the Donald Trump thing. Way back in the day, I had no idea. I, I, I knew John Mayer. I knew he existed. I was in like high school. Um, I kind of thought he was just like a guy that sang like songs for girls or whatever. I, didn't, I don't know. Just He's got that soothing voice and chicks like him. I don't know. But it was back in the day. I didn't have cable or we didn't have cable at the time. So it was like one of those two o'clock in the morning watching like PBS things. And it was a John Mayer concert. I'm like, all right, I can do this. And um, he's singing and it's a room full of girls, women everywhere. And they are just swooning, you know, they pan out to the, the stands and their eyes are just glued to him. Oh, I love him so much. And all of a sudden, this dude who I didn't realize was actually an incredibly good guitar player. I had no idea. Starts playing guitar. And starts absolutely ripping it up. And I'm sitting there going, dang. All of a sudden, I start paying attention. Guess what happened to the the stand? They start panning out to the stands. Their eyes just glossed over. Like, they're looking at their phones. Like, this is stupid. What is he doing? What is is that thing? It's making that noise. Ew. It's gross. I don't like it. Then he starts singing again. And they're like, oh, he's back. I didn't know where he went. I couldn't see on stage because of the grossness. I love him. You know what I mean? Like, there's, there's... this has become like a joke, this whole Pat McAfee thing. And the problem is it's, it started off to me as a way for him to kind of air out the truth behind the lies. And now it's becoming his way to just come on here and have his ego stroked by these guys who do nothing but pump him up and be like, hey, remember all those mistakes you made? Not even your fault. It's just stupid experts, right? Talk about these stupid experts and 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 like tell us the truth about like how you actually aren't bad and it's great when you're 13 and 3 and you're really good at football and people are throwing under you under the bus for stuff that isn't football related and calling you a bad human being it's good to be able to get out there and and have a voice and say i'm not a monster i just have opinions and thoughts and i think that that's what people should be allowed to do and it's like yeah that's it's great that he has a platform but now it's just it's just a Stroking your hair fast. And I, I, I just don't think this is a good thing. You know, <laughs> there, there's a lot that goes into all these things. And, and for somebody to play armchair quarterback who doesn't know what the hell play we're running or what's going on, that's fine. I don't really give a shit, to be honest with you. Um, Again, man, let me, let me, well, it's almost done, so I, I can let it finish, I guess. It's shitty. You know, the ball goes up in the air and gets, you know, we had, you know, a couple of those in the game. Balls up in the air, and our guys run into each other, and the ball gets knocked down. You know. I just want to finish this video, but I just ball goes up in the air, and our guys run into each other. 
So now it's the receiver's fault for for not being able to get the tipped ball because they were like I I get it. Receivers shouldn't run into each other, and that's been happening. But I just I don't get this. Why are you doing this? Like you know, they should have bailed me out, but instead they made a mistake. So it would have been better if they were maybe running routes down the field and then saw that the ball was in the air and maybe they could have got it instead. But I mean, deliberately blaming the wide receivers, just flat out. He just said our receivers are running into each other. And then laughing. I mean, he, he's, he's just mocking the Packers receivers on the Pat McAfee show. And everybody, I'm, I got a freeze frame. He's laughing. Pat's laughing. A.J. Hawk's laughing. They're just having a good yuck. Just having a good yuck up. I don't even know if that's a thing, but it sure feels right. They're yucking it up. They're just yucking. I... The question was about your interceptions, which lost us the game against the freaking Lions. And we've gotten to the point where you've thrown the wide receivers and the offensive line and and everybody else under the bus. And then when it comes to you saying, I don't give a crap what anybody thinks. I've done this a million times. I've thrown so many interceptions. This is bad. I'm just telling you. It seems like that's the way the balls and bounce for us. Go straight up in the air and instead of like running to each other and guys fiddling with it, maybe we even catch it. You know, the ball's uh, caught by somebody else. Wow. Kind of wow. I'm just I'm just kind of stunned by that. That he he's so comfortable just completely throwing his team under the bus. And you can say, well, they are playing bad. Yeah. Listen, I'm I'm with that to a point. If you get in front of the media and you're asked a question directly. Um, and you're saying, you know, guys got to play better, and, and you're also talking about yourself, that's fine. And he's done that in the past. He's been the guy to say, we all got to play better. I got to play better. Everybody's got to play better. He's asked a question about his interceptions, and he flat out threw the receivers under the bus. And it is, it's not even just, you know, it's one thing to be professional and say, you know, guys are not playing up to expectations, and, and they've got to get on the right page and everything else. To now, this is just mocking. He's mocking them. This is a different thing. And it's a much worse thing to go on a show like this with your buddies that's being recorded, that thousands of people are watching, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, whatever, are watching this, and they're watching you mock the wide receivers for fiddling with the ball and running into each other all the time. As an answer to the question of your interceptions, maybe if they weren't fiddling around with each other, they could have caught the ball that I threw into somebody's head. And we wouldn't be having these problems. Are you freaking serious? Jeez, dude. The main point I wanted to bring up about this, which seems irrelevant given the gravity of everything else we've talked about, but just so we're clear on the logic of how this works. If those interceptions weren't really his fault, right? Maybe a little bit his fault, but it also has to do with everybody else not doing their job. Just to be clear, logically speaking, then he's not a good quarterback. He's a lucky quarterback, right? Because the interceptions aren't his fault. It's not because of something he's doing. It's because of fluky things that happen. It's because guys aren't in the right spot. It's because the offensive line isn't blocking right. It's because of all these different factors. If interceptions are primarily due to other factors and a lack of interceptions is because of those factors not being present, those factors not being within you, but within other people, whether that be the defense or, the, or your other offensive teammates, then your whole touchdown-to-interception ratio is bunk. Either you are directly responsible for protecting the ball as well as you have, and we've all taken great pride in bragging about that record for you, and you are now tarnishing that by saying all this stuff. Because if that's not your fault then you don't get credit for protecting the ball. This is not debatable. And if you take partial credit, you get partial responsibility. So you decide how much of this stupid game you want to play. But the more you want to blame everybody else, the more we get to take away credit for everything that you've done. And again, we've all taken great pride in defending you over that and bragging about that for you. But if you want to take that away from yourself and from us, you go right ahead and sit here and say that all these interceptions are not actually your fault. Tarnish your own legacy 
just for the sake of saving face on your buddy's show where you can throw your wide receivers under the bus. This, this, is, this is the exact opposite of leadership. You know, I, I, I've always said he's just not one of those guys. You know, he doesn't, he's not like a rah-rah guy. Aaron Rodgers has said that. Yeah, I'm not really a rah-rah guy. Okay, two things. Number one, learn to be that guy, Mr. Book Reader. Number two, if you're not going to do it, if you're going to refuse to be the leader in this locker room, the guy that needs to be the leader, the guy that needs to set the tone and needs to do all these things, fine. But don't start tearing everything down while you're here because there, there's nothing positive happening about this season. And we got to understand that Rodgers is very likely, in my mind, leaving next year. I believe that. Maybe he's not. Who knows? Gutekunst still seems to love this all-in garbage. Rodgers, I'm sure, would love to have more money. And because of his pride, I'm sure believes that if, if I can get Gutekunst to con- commit to going out and getting some stud receiver, then everything will be fixed. You know, find a guy that doesn't run into people, and then I won't throw picks anymore. Anyways, that brings me to this, and I know a lot of people are going to be mad that I'm even reading this, but I've spent a lot of time trashing unsourced articles or whatever, because we don't know where these things come from. Just like when we heard from the GM about, you know, you get the news that says, hey, the Packers are, are interested in Odell Beckham. And then you got the other GM who gave the explanation of how these things work sometimes, and you have regional scouts or whatever. Uh, by regional, I mean, you know, NFC North, NFC East, or whatever, that are responsible for certain teams. And, and they do their due diligence by calling around, finding out about players, getting intel. And then you, if there's anything interesting, you bring it back to Brian Gutekunst. But there there's, there's, doesn't have to be any interest whatsoever. And then, you know, guys like Rappaport or Schefter will get information saying, hey, the Packers called about this player. And then they go blast it everywhere. And it's, again, it... It might be something or it might just be that. And so again, there, there can be misunderstandings or, or whatever, but I don't think that there's flat out lying. The question is, where is this coming from and how reliable is it? But here's the question via ESPN asking, uh, what's his name? Jeremy Fowler. What are you hearing about the Packers during their five game losing streak? Fowler that some of the young wide receivers have been painted as scapegoats for the Packers' problems despite Aaron Rodgers' absence during OTAs, which isn't sitting well with, uh, with some there. Understand, it doesn't say the wide receivers necessarily. It says some of the players are not happy that Rodgers is throwing his wide receivers under the bus. Again, we can take issue, oh, this is some unsourced BS article. He literally just did it on Pat McAfee. So the only thing that's required that we need to know of is whether or not there are people in the building that are not happy about it. Come on. You think every single person, coaches, players, GM, all down the line, all the people working in that building, you think they're all completely fine with what Rodgers is doing. They have no issues with them being made the scapegoat of all their problems. Goes on to say there's frustration over the defense, particularly on the back end, where communication and game plan issues have persisted. Um, hearing that they are trying to stick together, but a tough schedule coupled with a barrage of injuries makes that nearly insurmountable. Other than that, everything is great. I don't get the sense Green Bay plans to turn to Jordan Love. I don't either, pending serious injury to Rodgers, and I guess he's not practicing, but I doubt that'll matter. Because on to say there's a very real chance a sub-500 team sneaks into the NFC playoffs, which provides a glimmer of hope. This is an organization with a great deal of pride, and Aaron Rodgers, despite the struggles, is still one of the best passers on the planet. But the Packers will need to do some old-fashioned luck. Uh, will need some old-fashioned luck over the next uh, month to have a chance. I would absolutely disagree with the best passer thing. I don't think you can find a single metric that he's leading over the last several weeks. Then Dan Graziano chimes in. He says, "Yeah, I think it's pretty bad there. I know they're searching for solutions, but obviously they aren't finding any. Coaches have a really hard time getting on the hot seat there. So I don't think Matt Lafleur is in any danger anytime soon. To be clear, he's not saying." Matt LaFleur isn't an issue or people aren't having problems. He's saying the Packers move very slowly. He says, but this is the first real adversity he faces in Green Bay, and the way he emerges from it will tell us a lot about what kind of coach he is long-term. Rodgers obviously isn't going to help matters unless he plays well, which he currently is not. And now the injury bug is biting hard. Uh, a defense that was already underperforming just lost one of its best players, Rashawn Gary, for the season. A wide receiver core that was already young and thin is down multiple guys because of injury. The upcoming schedule is a monster. There aren't a lot of signs a turnaround is coming in Green Bay, and you do start to wonder when it might be time to get a look at Jordan Love on the off chance Rodgers decides not to come back in 2023. Now, again, the main focus of this 
which was just kind of glossed over, is the very first thing that was said. Some of the young wide receivers have been painted as scapegoats for the Packers' problems, despite Aaron Rodgers' absence during OTAs, which isn't sitting well with some there. And by the way, it's not necessarily just Aaron Rodgers doing it. Let me tell you what would not shock me even a little bit. Matt LaFleur running interference for Aaron Rodgers and putting a little bit of extra pressure on everybody else around him because he doesn't have the guts to get in Rodgers' face and tell him he's the problem. That wouldn't surprise me a little bit. Like I've said already, I can't imagine anybody in that building confronting Aaron Rodgers. And I think that is a major problem with this organization in general. Rodgers has gotten too big. He's too big in his own mind. He's too big in the coach's mind. He, he managed to become too big in the GM's mind. The GM tried to stand up to him. He tried to be his own man. He tried to say, no, this is my team, not your team, and it didn't work. They got into that battle. Rodgers won, and, and now Brian Gutekunst does whatever Rodgers wants. They have meetings. He goes out and gets some free agents. He went out and handpicked uh, Randall Cobb. He gets to pick his own quarterback coach. And then he got signed to this massive behemoth contract that I think a sober-minded GM probably, a sober-minded Packers GM, I should say. A lot of GMs would happily give him this contract, but the Packers, this does not seem to be the way that they operate. Everybody in this building is beholden to Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers right now has allowed that power to go to his head, and now he goes out publicly and trashes whoever he wants, however he wants, on whatever show he wants, in any way that he wants. And the guy's got a busted-up thumb, isn't even practicing, and the, the, the main crux is... I don't see any chance that they turn to Jordan Love, despite the fact that we need to see Jordan Love, despite the fact that he could use the the uh, the reps, despite the fact that Rodgers is injured, despite the fact that Rodgers isn't playing well even when he wasn't injured, despite the fact that Rodgers probably won't even be back next year, despite the fact that the season's basically over anyways, we're not going to turn to him. Why? Because he's Aaron Rodgers. And apparently that whole thing of, of Aaron Rodgers being the greatest, you know, like you never take the ball out of your superstar's hand, apparently that goes beyond just him playing well. I thought that was just a thing where he's really good, so you want to give him the ball in those critical situations. Turns out that's not the case. It's just he's Aaron Rodgers, so even if he's not good, he gets the ball, he gets to decide, he gets to do whatever he wants. I don't like this version of Rodgers that we're seeing. And it just feels like all this stuff has just been staring us in the face and we've been ignoring it because, hey, we're winning. And Rodgers is playing really well. But now that it's all falling apart and you look at it, you go, geez, this is a mess. How in the world did we let it get to this? Anyways, we got to take a uh, a quick break. Why don't we do that? We'll come back and kind of wrap this bad boy up a little bit. Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. If you'd like to support the podcast directly, it would be greatly, greatly appreciated. Uh, thank you very much to Andrew. Appreciate your support. Also, Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry. Please check out what they're doing over there. Uh, you can find more information at FertileGroundRanch.org. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
Got your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Okie dokie dokie. Anyways, um, just want to, again, kind of put a bow on this thing here. I wanted to look at the difference between Rodgers uh, pre-thumb injury and post-thumb injury because it's a pretty stark contrast. Now, unfortunately, against Buffalo, he got a 90 overall grade, so that's going to skew things a bit. But I think it's still going to stand on its own merits here. So weeks one through four, Rodgers ranked sixth in terms of his PFF passing grade. He had the fourth highest completion percentage, number one in big-time throw percentage. Uh, he had thrown eight at that point. Um Turnover-worthy plays, he ranked 10th, as in 10th best, et cetera, et cetera. Um, From week five on, he ranks 14th in terms of his overall passing grade. His completion percentage dropped, what did I say he was at, fourth? He dropped to 27th. Big-time throws, he dropped from first to fifth. Adjusted completion percentage, getting rid of all the wide receiver problems, he ranks 19th. And looking at NFL passer rating, he ranks 28th. Uh, maybe a more clear way of just looking at this is to just look at the grades themselves. Um, if you look at all the quarterback grades, or excuse me, if you look at Aaron Rodgers' grades, he weeks 1, 2, 3, and 4, 60. Obviously, week 1 was a disaster. Then 83, 70, and 74. Right After that, 60, 64, 66, 90, and 63. So the 90 there is, again, a bit of an outlier. Four out of his last five games, he's graded out in the 60s. His grade weeks two, three, and four, so prior to the injury after week one, he had an 80.3 passing grade. Remember, when he started the season, I said, although things don't seem great, he's on the same trajectory that he's always been on. That started to dwindle before the injury. But the point is, I just I feel like we're missing a real good opportunity here. To simply bench the guy and say, look, the production has dropped. The injury's clearly bothering you. Every time you throw a pass, you're clutching your thumb. It's a real easy opportunity to blame all of the issues on the thumb, to say you're not yourself, you're not playing well. It's not you. You're still great. It's your thumb. And so, you know, rather than doing this thing where we pretend it's not the thumb, or just maybe it's not, I don't know, but we choose not to use the thumb as a scapegoat, and instead we continue to play terribly and blame the wide receivers in the offensive line and then go around and trash everybody else. And, and just rather than just stating the obvious and saying, hey, my thumb's jacked up. We need some time to let it heal. It's causing a lot of problems. The ball's coming out of my hand the wrong way. Why, why, I, why aren't we doing that? And the only reason I can think we're not doing that is because the obvious conclusion would be that he needs to be benched. And I don't think he wants that. I don't know that anybody in the organization wants that aside from, you know, Jordan Love and the people in the building that want to go in that direction, um, who don't have enough say, obviously. And, and, you know, even if you're a big sort of Rogers fan, I think that this would be the best course of action because he needs some time to let that thing heal. Let's say we give him two to three weeks and he's fully healed. Great. Then guess what? He comes back after our rough patch fully ready to go, playing at a really high level again. Is that not what we want? We need to see Rodgers every single week continue to put his thumb through stress and strain so that it never gets healed and we just see this all year and we never see Jordan Love, we never see anything. This isn't good for anybody. Let him rest, let it heal. If it gets back to normal, he can come back. If it doesn't, I guess he's done for the year. But this doesn't make sense. Continuing with this, where he grades out in the 60s, not including that Buffalo game since his injury. I know we're kind of nitpicking, but just th- this is the Aaron Rodgers we've seen most of the time. Um, 65 overall grade, 64.3 pass, uh, passing grade. He ranks 21st. So that's generally from a week-to-week basis the kind of quarterback we've been watching. That's what we saw this past week. 
the 21st best quarterback in football. Completion percentage is 29th. Six touchdowns, three interceptions. I, I, I just think, and maybe I'm wrong, but this feels like one of the few areas where everybody should be able to agree with this. If, if the goal is Rodgers now and forever, he still should be benched. Forget the bad play. Forget the bad play. Put it on his thumb. Right? The thumb is the cause of all the problems. And so we let it rest. We let it heal. We let him come back. He comes back. He dominates the end of the year. Probably not going to be enough because we don't have enough weapons. Next year, Rodgers comes back. We try to fix up some of those things. Second year for our wide receivers. And boom, we get back on track. If you just don't want Rodgers here, then yeah, bench him. Let's see love. And let's just see how this thing plays out. But I feel like everybody should be in agreement. Unless you just disagree, it's not his thumb. In which case, I don't, I, don't, I don't know what we're talking about. It's some other issue that we can fix some other way in which Rodgers gets to stay, play, and continue. I, I, I don't know what that would be, other than it's just everybody else's fault. So, do we all agree with this? Does this, because, I mean, I, I haven't seen this discussion, so I don't know, but I feel like this is an area where everybody will say, all right, yeah, that makes sense. Shut him down. And then when his thumb feels better, we'll reassess. And that's where there'll be a split again amongst the fan base. But still, at least for now, let's just, let's just not do this, right? I don't, again, I don't think it's going to happen because I don't think Rodgers wants to be benched. I think he sees the writing on the wall. He sees the way things are going. He knows what happened when Brett Favre started getting hurt and he came in and played well. He's seen that happen a lot of times. I mean, that's how Brett Favre got his started. That's just a rite of passage in Green Bay. Guy gets hurt. Somebody comes in that nobody likes. Nobody liked Brett Favre. He was a joke. He came in and played well and kept the job. I, like I said, I remember when Aaron Rodgers came in. I think it was against the Cowboys because it was my 21st birthday party in college. And there were people very unhappy that Rodgers was playing. He's a bum. Sit him. Get him out of here. I hate this guy. He'll never be Brett Favre, et cetera, et cetera. I don't think Rodgers wants to sit. I think he wants to play. I think he genuinely believes that if the play around him would get better, everything would be fine. If, I could, if these wide receivers would just be better, if the offensive line was just better, if the tight ends were just better, then we could get through this. I, I shouldn't have to sit. He wants to stay and prove his worth and prove that, you know, whether he's leaving or not, I don't want to go out this way. I, I certainly don't want to be replaced after all this is happening. You know, the worst thing that could happen is he gets benched, Jordan Love comes in, and he actually looks good. Rodgers doesn't want this. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm just assuming. I don't know, but I'm, I'm saying if I was Rodgers, I wouldn't want this. Maybe that's a better way to put it. I'm not going to you know, talk about my uh, unnamed sources told me that Rodgers is refusing to be benched. But anyways, on that vein, I do want to talk about the injury report. It's unbelievable how much I have to scroll on this. Um, David Bakhtiari, Chris Barnes, Devondre Campbell, Mason Crosby, Romeo Dobbs, Razul Douglas, Rashawn Gary, Shamar Jean, Charles Elton Jenkins, Aaron Jones, Alan Lazard, Aaron Rodgers, John Runyon, Preston Smith, Eric Stokes, Sammy Watkins, Christian Watson. And some of these guys are fine, but I'm just, that's, that's a heck of a list. Um, uh, Christian Watson was a full participant, which is awesome. Alan Lazard, I'm not even sure why he's on here because it's, it's not even listed, but he's still here. Uh, guys that were limited, Preston Smith with a neck injury, John Runyon with a knee injury, Aaron Jones with an ankle injury, Razul Douglas with a calf injury, Mason Crosby with a back injury. By the way, we brought in a bunch of kickers. We'll get to that in a minute. As if things couldn't get worse. And then here's the list of people that didn't participate, and it is massive. Bakhtiari with a knee injury. By the way, I had somebody reach out to me on Twitter. Here's I told you about my unnamed sources. I got one for you. Ran into high... Uh, uh, David Bakhtiari at the grocery store. I thought it was just going to be a nice story about, hey, I saw Bakhtiari, it was really cool, or, you know, I went up and talked to him, he shook my hand, whatever. No, he just wanted to report to me that Bakhtiari is limping around a lot. Like, it's a really bad limp. That guy's in a lot of pain. So, when I talk about us moving on from David Bakhtiari, it's not just, well, he's not a part of the future. It's, his knee's jacked up, man. It's just bad, and it's not responding right, and it doesn't handle the pressure well. And again, he's on the injury report, not practicing due to a knee injury. And I'm sure it's not his other knee. Maybe it is, but it's the same one, man. Uh, Chris Barnes did not participate because of his concussion. Devondre Campbell didn't participate with his knee injury. Romeo Dobbs, obviously we know he's going to be out several weeks uh, with his ankle injury, didn't participate. Rashawn Gary for the season, but I guess that's just not official yet or something. I don't know. 
Uh, Shamar Jean Charles didn't participate. Ankle injury. Elton Jenkins didn't participate. He has a knee injury. Uh, Aaron Rodgers didn't participate because of his right thumb injury. Eric Stokes did not participate because of his ankle and knee injury. Again, I suspect he will be out for quite a while. Sammy Watkins did not participate because of a knee injury. So we lost Randall. We lost Dobbs. We lost Sammy Watkins. I'm trying to think who our receivers even are now. We got Christian Watson, who I think is going to be playing. We got Amari. I think Lazard's going to be okay. So Christian, Lazard, and Amari Rogers, which I guess works because we got our backup slot guy. We got our deep threat, and we got our uh, Lazard. Is Lazard is Lazard. Well, <laughs> no, L- Lazard is Devante. Christian Watson is MVS, and then Amari Rogers is going to be Randall Cobb. So that's that's the new situation. We also have Samori Ture, but we are... Uh, very, very thin. Dallas Cowboys injury report. Anthony Barr did not participate in practice. Everybody else is is pretty much ready to go. The only other person that was limited was Noah Brown. Um, you got uh, Durant Armstrong, Noah Brown. Oh, excuse me, not Noah Brown. I just said that. Ezekiel Elliott, Michael Gallup, Malik Hooker, Micah Parsons, Dalton Schultz, Kevante Turpin, Sam Williams, and Donovan Wilson all on the report. But... Um, Full participants. Well, actually, Donovan Wilson is limited also, but they're, they're all probably going to be fine with the exception maybe of Anthony Barr. And actually, the Rashawn Gary thing is now official as of, uh, uh, well, yesterday, I guess. Two days ago for you. Whatever. Doesn't matter. Not when they made this uh, little list thing here, I guess. But yeah, things are thin and uh, about to get a lot thinner, I think, because obviously guys are going to get hurt in this game too, and then we'll really find out. Uh, we'll find out a lot. I'm guessing at some point Sean Ryan will be playing. He'll probably be playing quarterback. I don't, who knows what's going to happen here. But, anyways, uh, a couple other things I mentioned. We brought in a bunch of kickers. We brought in Lucas Havrasik and Tristan Viscano. Dude, kickers have the weirdest, like last names. You know, they got like those. Uh, what the heck is that? Havrasik and Viscano. Last one might be Italian, I guess, but it's some kind of, what, what is it, like Eastern European thing? Stop producing kickers over there, because I can't say your name. Stop doing that. I don't know why Johnsons can't kick, but I'm getting tired of it. The other kind of big news, though, is um, the Packers claimed former Raiders Jonathan Abram on wires per source. Um, the last I saw, Abram was, I mean, he's a first-round pick, I'm pretty sure, um, I think it might have even been the same year as Savage. Not positive, but I remember Abram was a dude with an attitude. It actually very much reminds me of the, the HaHa Clinton Dick situation. I hope it was the same year because it's like a direct parallel. The year HaHa came on, he was like the main guy. And then as things came on, there was another couple guys, I think somebody out of Northwestern. and But then there was another guy, I can't remember his name, but he played for the Jets. And the Jets took him before HaHa, and he was just a headhunter. He just killed everybody. And pretty much he came into the league, got a bunch of penalties, and then got injured, and that was the end of that. That's kind of what's going on with Jonathan Abram. Abram came into the league, and it's just been constant injuries. Um, but that was, I haven't checked in on him in a while. So it looks like he uh, came back 2020, 2021, 2022. He's been playing a kind of decent amount and has just been kind of bad at stuff. Six foot two oh five Mississippi State Bulldogs. He was picked number twenty seven overall. For context, he has played. Uh, let's see, two thousand two hundred eighty two total snaps. He's played for four years. Uh, it looks like twenty twenty and twenty nineteen were full years, and then he's played a half of this year. You know how many games he's graded out as a good football player? Two. Two times. 75.4 is the highest grade he's ever had. 2019, he played one game. 2020, he played 17, so that's uh, 18 games. Uh, plus 15, 33. Um, plus 9, so 42 games he's played. Twice he's graded out as a good football player. Now, it may just be a scheme thing, right? We brought in Devondre Campbell because he fits what we do here and everything. And I'll be honest, I, I don't. Part of me wonders about this. Not that I have a ton of hope, but I just, I've just been thinking. I was talking to uh, Senior Blaine. Listen, I can say that, okay? I can say that. I was talking to Senior Blaine, and um, one of the things we were thinking about, and this is more of a Sam Holman thing. I don't want to 
I don't exactly know how things work, but but remember when I was going through each of these games and kind of looking play by play, I noticed a lot of times Savage was up in front of Quay making plays at the line of scrimmage or missing plays at the line of scrimmage. Point is, he was there a lot. And I constantly wondered why they were down there so much. He and Amos, but especially Savage. And it got us thinking a little bit about Rudy Ford, who is a special teams guy, and we're thinking if the safeties let's say uh, on occasion, obviously coverage is a big part of your job, but let's say a lot of the time you're just firing downhill, trying to light people up. That dude is a special teamer. He's really fast and he has no regard for his own life. Seems like a good fit. There's also been conversations about Darnell Savage being moved to the slot. And the big retort to that was, yeah, well, we don't really have somebody else that can play safety. So we went out and got a guy who's really good at just flying around and smoking people, or at least that's what he was supposed to be good at. I mean, honestly, if you want to get fired up about him, just go watch some Jonathan Abram highlights. He, he, he just kills people. And I, I'll be honest, as much as I don't really care about his grade, considering I, I don't have much hope for this season, if we just get a guy that's just going to light people up, I'm excited about that. Move Darnell to slot. And I know this isn't going to happen, because then what do you do with uh, weight? I was just going to say, then what do we do with Razul Douglas? Um, well, Eric Stokes is going to be out for a while, so Razul is going to be playing on the boundary. So who's going into the slot? Darnell Savage. Jonathan Abrams is going to be safety, whose job is going to be to work downhill and just light people up and do all the things that Savage couldn't. Because let's be honest, as much as people were mad at Savage for just being bad at football, I don't even think coverage was the biggest issue anymore. I think it's his unwillingness to tackle, his inability to tackle. He's just a small, fast dude. I'm not saying everybody loves his coverage ability. I'm just saying, recently, that's been the issue. I don't hate it, man. I don't hate it. I really don't. So anyways, we'll see. We'll see if there's a big uh, shakeup going on in Green Bay with the corner situation. Because honestly, I don't even know if Razul is playing. Um, But if, if Stokes is out, which I'm assuming he is, Razul will be on the boundary. And so we got to get ourselves a slot guy. Um, and again, Razul is a little little limpy and gimpy. So um, I don't know. Something to potentially get excited about. But I'm going to leave it at that. You guys have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.